What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Super excited. We've got a very cool guest, very inspiring, strong, uh, incredible woman joining us today. She was the first woman hired on as a U.S. Forest Service fire crew. She is now an author, a watercolor artist, and a landscape architect. Joining us all the way from Arizona, please welcome Linda M. Strader. Linda, thank you for joining us today. Oh, well, thank you, Deanna. It's a pleasure to be here. You've uh, got quite this background. So I actually want to talk a little bit about what it was like being the first woman hired on as a U.S. Forest Service fire crew. Well, I'll have to say I wasn't the first, but I was one of the first. And one what, of the what, first. what was interesting is that back then the Forest Service did not keep track of employees by gender. Mm. So, but I know that they did not start hiring women until they were forced to after the Equal Employment Opportunity Act came out. So they started hiring in 75 and they were very resistant to it because there were no women working on fire crews for the Forest Service and they didn't want them there. And and I didn't know this. I stumbled on this job. I started out actually working in an office at, for the Forest Service as a fire timekeeper for a hotshot crew. Okay. And I, I liked the job, but I liked their job more. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I just thought, wow, you know, what working outside and the excitement and all that. So I thought, that's what I want to do. So I applied for the job and got it thinking, yeah. oh, this is cool. I'm going to be a firefighter. Isn't this great? You know? yeah. And and I get to my station and I'm getting this very cool welcome, you know, by the man, like, uh, you know, what are you doing here? And I'm thinking, what's the problem? I, I was only 20 and yeah. I couldn't figure out what their problem was. Well, I, I got an earful, you know, okay. I, I had realized, oh, they don't want me here. Um, I was told that women belong barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. I was told that um, I should quit and go home and find something else to do with my life. Wow. Uh, and the more, the harder time they gave me, the more determined I was to keep that sure. job. Sure. And, and I did that for seven years. Um, and I worked for both the U.S. Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management. I worked in Arizona. Alaska, um, Colorado. I love my job. It was exciting. It was different. I love the reaction that I would get when I would tell people what I did. <laughs> I bet. So um, did you eventually develop a camaraderie with all the men that, that you worked with? Some of them. I mean, every summer there were new people. You know, okay. some some would stay, some would go, and then I and I moved around a lot because that's just how that job is. You apply for a job and you get several offers, and you pick the one where you want to go. And I wanted to go to Alaska, but I got you know I picked the one in Alaska. So it it varied, but you know inevitably there was one or two or more men that I had to prove that I deserved to be here just as much as you. Yeah, and it got it was tiring, but. I just figured, well, this is just the way it is. But when I got to the point that, because that was my coworkers, yeah, and my coworkers, I just brush off, and I'd work twice as hard as some of the guys sure. because I had to, right? And I had to prove I can do it and work more than they did just to 
you know, prove I belong there. But then I started getting discriminated against. So I was actually told by a couple of supervisors, we won't hire you because you're a woman. And I'd say, well, wait a minute, you can't do that. And they just laugh at me. Yeah. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Wow. And so, so I did file an EEO complaint against one, but it was only the two of us in the room when he said it. Huh. So yeah, it so went nowhere. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. prove it. You know, it was his word against mine. So how do you feel? And we're going to get to like your, your books and stuff like that. But I think it's very interesting, your story, like listening to what you went through then. Like, well, how do you think that it is now? Do you think it's changed much or you think it's probably still the same? It's actually worse. Yeah. It's actually worse. Um, it's really interesting. Um, you know, I, I heard from a lot of women who work for the forcers after my book came out, they come to my book signings and they tell me, wow, you know, it's just amazing. It must've been so terrible back in the mid seventies doing what you were doing. And yeah. I said, well, you know, I had my challenges and I tell them and they'd say, well, you ought to hear what I'm going through. And they start telling me things and I'm, Holy cow. I mean, I was discriminated against. I was harassed. Yeah. Um, but I was never assaulted. And these women are being assaulted and raped and while well, at work. Yeah. And and it's just absolutely appalling how it has not changed, it's gotten worse. I firmly believed that. It was age, you know, it was my supervisors were in their 40s back in the 1970s. So they were old school. So yeah. certainly as, as things moved on and the older people retired, new younger men with a fresher attitude and more reasonable attitude would right. take their place. Not true. No, not yeah. true. It's still perpetuated. So that's pretty discouraging. If you think about it, you know, we were more progressive, maybe a little bit better back then compared to where we are now, where things have just become so polarizing, but yet we're, we're dealing with non-binary, non-binary where it's all, we're all supposed to be equal. And I feel like we're even further away from what they're, this, this agenda they're trying to push on us. So it's interesting to hear what you went through and to, to, um, to know what's happening now is even worse. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, let's talk about your book. So um, really the one, Summers of Fire, a memoir of adventure, love, and courage. Tell us about that one. Well, so, you know, I uh, I was out of that career in 82 after an injury, and I, it changed my entire life. I had multiple knee surgeries. I didn't get well. I really struggled um, to find my place and that I love my job. And it was very, very difficult to, when my doctors told me, you can't do that anymore. You're done. Yeah. So I, I went to college and I got a degree in landscape architecture and I rebuilt my life. And 23 years later, after um, I married, um, so back, back in, in 82, I married the first man that I met. He was on my fire crew um, that, he, I ended up marrying him and our relationship was not good. That fell apart. I divorced. So, so here we are in 2004 to, and I lose my job. I, and I hear I had just gotten a divorce and just bought a house. My mom dies. Oh. I am in a, I'm in a really bad spot. And I started thinking about my firefighting days thinking, you know, of course, you remember the good stuff. Sure, I, I knew there was bad stuff, but I remember the good stuff. And I really loved that job. And I 
And I kept journals all that time. And I thought, you know, I should probably start writing this down before I forget. Yeah. So that's how it started. I just started writing down the adventures that I had and the crazy times, the challenging times. And it came out about 90 pages and I shared it with friends and they're like, well, you know, this is pretty good. You should expand this a little bit. Yeah. So I had, I had nothing else to do. I was still on unemployment looking for work. And I thought I dove in. So I wrote 450 pages. Wow. And, and realized, oh my gosh, I guess I have a book. <laughs> and I didn't know if it was any good. So I joined a writer's group and it took me, it took me years to get it so that it's a story. And yeah. not just what happened to me. And so um, I found a publisher and um, they loved my story and they published me, which was just a, you know, a huge thrill. That's awesome. What a, what a, a great uh, tribute to something, a time in your life. You left your thumbprint by, by writing that book. Um, I, th I, I mean, I can only imagine the kind of adventures that you experienced doing that, especially if you traveled all over like that. I mean, yeah. what, can you share one with us? Uh, well, um, one in particular, I remember um, we were left behind. We were, we were on a huge fire in Northern California. And firefighters often work at night because it's cooler and the winds are calmer. So it's a little easier to, to work on the fire. And so we were out at night. We were watching uh, the fire line to make sure that it didn't jump the line. Yeah. And so I had a partner. I mean, we were all, our whole crew was spread out, you know, like four or 500 feet apart. And we were watching the fire line to make sure it stayed put. And um, my supervisor came around and he said, um, you know, it looks like this 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 edge is good. I'm going to pick up the rest of the crew and I'll come back and get you two on our way back. And I said, well, I yeah, okay, fine. So they never showed up. Oh my and, and so here we are out in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of the Klamath National Forest in the middle of absolutely nowhere uh, with just a, a fire line that we had built as our path. And so my partner and I said, well, you know, what do we do? Do we sit here? I mean, it had been over an hour and a half and we thought something's not right. So we better, yeah. we better go for, look for him. So we, we start just pick a direction, you know, we start walking and we bump into another fire crew and they tell us, what are you doing here? We were getting ready to set a backfire here. So what a backfire is, is fighting fire with fire. And what I realized after he said that is that if we didn't, if we hadn't moved, we would have been would trapped have been. yeah wow. and toasted we would have been toasted and wow. that that was and it was pretty unsettling because when i got back to camp nobody noticed we were missing and i'm just like what is wrong with this picture how did you not know we were gone i and, know that's a scary thought like oh my yeah, gosh if you guys hadn't started said like let's do like start let's, let's go yeah we we would have been burned up I mean, we would have been trapped. They would have, we would have had fire on one side and fire behind us. And there there was, and we're oh, talking well, heavy timber. Oh, Lord, man, he was watching out for you that day. That's Yeah, that was, and, that, and I've had people ask me, so you know, did you confront anybody? And I said, I brought it up once and they told me to shut up. And I never said another word. I, I just was like, okay, I'm done. Like, oh, my goodness. And so now you've written a prequel to that first book, Summers of Fire, Uprooted, and A New Life in the Arizona Sun. And actually that you just released last year, huh? Yeah, I did. So when I finished Summers of Fire, sent it off to my publisher, which was terrifying. You know, it's like, I can't edit it anymore. You know, yeah. it's, it's yours. You know? And uh, so I was very restless. I, I missed writing. 
So I got out my journals and I started reading about how I ended up moving to Arizona, which was not my idea. My parents, um, we were from Syracuse, New York, and that's where I grew up. And my parents decided they were tired of the cold weather. They wanted to go live someplace warmer. They just packed us up and moved us to Prescott, Arizona. And I ended up moving in the middle of my senior year of high school. And I was a pretty unhappy camper. And I didn't want to live in Arizona. And I hated it here. Yeah. So so as I was reading through my journals, I was realizing, you know, this is kind of interesting because I really struggled to find, you know, I, I thought I, I want out. And so as soon as I graduated from high school, I flew back to Syracuse. And I was going to stay. But all my friends were going to college and I didn't have college plans. My parents didn't have the money. And I thought, well, if my friends are leaving, what's the point? I mean, I don't want to live here if my friends aren't here. Yeah, right. So I got back on the plane. I went back to Prescott and learned to love it. And I wanted to stay, but I couldn't find a job. And uh, I was really, really frustrated. I wanted to work in something different, but I didn't know what that was. I knew I didn't. I didn't want to be a waitress. I didn't want to be a sales clerk. I didn't want to answer phones. You know, I just thought I want something different. And I ended up going to Tucson, bumped into somebody who knew someone else in the forest service. And they got me the job as a fire timekeeper for that hotshot crew. And it changed my entire life. It was like, I was opened up to the world of fire, something Mm -hmm. that I didn't know existed before then. Yeah. And I pursued that until I got the job. Of course, I ended up in the job that I wanted. So Uprooted is about that journey to find who I am, what I wanted. And there's also a lot about love and relationships. Because I was, you know, 16, 17 years old when we first moved to Prescott. And and I wanted to know what love was. And I didn't know. And of course, the, you know, the, the old, you know, is it love? Is it infatuation? Is it yeah. friendship? What is this? Sure. So there's a lot of that. Um, at the, and at the same time, trying to figure out what do I want to do with my life? I, you know, I don't, I know what I don't want to do, but what do I, what do I want to do? And yeah. I just kept pushing until I found what I wanted to do. Did, did you always want to be an author? Never dreamed that would ever happen. Yeah. I never thought about it. I, all my writing was technical papers for college. I wrote a thesis when I was a graduate student. So, so that's why it took so long to write. Is I didn't know how to write creative yeah. nonfiction, and and I taught myself how, and um, and I found that I'm at my best when I can when I want to learn something. I, and I learned how to write. I learned how to market my book. I did promotion, my own promotion, um, and to me, that is the most satisfying thing. Is when you figure it out for yourself. Yeah. And it can be done. Yeah, there's so many people that feel like, oh, I have to hire a publicist. Well, if you can afford it, go for it. But I couldn't. (laughs) And and I thought, you know, this is learnable. You know, it's not like it's rocket science. You can figure it out, you know? Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that because I've had to self, I'm self-taught in a lot of different things myself. So where can people find you, connect with you, purchase your book? Can you uh, drop all your links? Yeah, sure. So I'm, both books are on Amazon, both uh, in, in all countries. Um, it's also available on Barnes and Noble. Um, I have a blog, which is Summers of Fire book at blogspot.com. And I have some photos from back in the day. I write articles on strong women and women uh, in men's positions and 
And I also love to share my ex writing experiences and how I learned how to write better. So I have um, blog posts on, you know, better dialogue or how, how do you how do you sell a memoir? How do you how do you pitch a memoir? Um, so and then um, I also have an author page on Facebook. And so all of those have by they're all linked together. So excellent. You guys will put all those links in the show notes. So don't hesitate to go uh, click one of those links, support Linda, follow her, possibly read her blog and buy a book. So we always want to support our guests here. So don't hesitate to click on those links in the show notes. So I have a question for you. So anyone that's sure. maybe wanting to become an author, but don't doesn't know where to start, where would you recommend someone to start if they're wanting to write a book? Just start writing. I, I'm a firm believer that if you just start getting it down and you worry about the little nuances after you after you spill it out, because once you learn the craft, you're going to struggle for the with, with the creative side. When yeah. you don't know, you just pour out your heart and soul and that can be edited. Yeah. But you don't want to if you get all stiff, you know, learned all the details of you know got of sentence structures and all this stuff you're gonna lose that sure so worry about that when you edit just get the story down um i did end up i joined a writer's group in my community and that helped a little bit but when it came down to it i read a lot yeah i researched online a lot about you know what you know why am i struggling here how do i fix this um show don't tell i mean everyone here show don't tell took me about well really grasp what that meant yeah and and i learned that if you inhabit the moment of the, of what you're, you're what you're writing about be there be in it and if yeah. you write it like you're in it you're showing if you are hovering above it saying and then this happened and then that happened when i did this you're telling um you yeah, know, that, very good information. Yeah, thank you for that advice. Um, so before we start wrapping things up, I always like to ask for any last words of wisdom or oh no, actually one more question for you. What's next? Are there are there more books? I actually I am working on book three, and it's fiction this time. Oh, wow! And, and fiction is harder than nonfiction. I'll tell you, oh, I believe not it. Nonfiction, you know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and with fiction, you don't. So I'm. It's like, wow, this is a challenge. Um, Can you give us but, like a, a clip of what it's going to be about. Or are you not sharing that yet? I'm not sharing yet because it, it's evolving. <laughs> you know? Okay, and that's the thing about fiction is that I get, you know, I think I know where I'm going, and I think, oh, I know. And, yeah. And then, you know, and I change direction. So, but the thing with fiction, though, is that you can go anywhere you want with it. And, it, it, you know, and it's just going to involve into some probably a very crazy, cool story that you didn't even think that you were capable of. And, and, and I read that that happens. And so, and so I'm not worried. I've only been working on it for, you know, like four or five months. And it took me, it took me years. It took me eight years to complete Summers of Fire. Oh my God, and, that's crazy. Yeah, and I hear that there's a lot of people who write memoir who spend 10 to 20 years. So, you know, I did okay because I published in eight <laughs> years. So, <laughs> but I, I didn't know. Time, man. You know, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing, of course. And, and, and I did put it on hold. I mean, there were times where I was so frustrated because I was getting rejected by agents and I couldn't understand why that I'd just shelve it. 
and then yeah. come back to it and think, no, it's a good story, Damon. I just got to figure out how to tell it. Yes. Oh. I love that. So any last words of wisdom or advice before we say goodbye? Uh, never compromise. Do what you love to do. Um, because if that's what you want, you'll find a way to do it. If you think yeah. there's something in the way, if you want to do it bad enough, you'll figure it out. Awesome. I totally agree with that. Well, Linda, thank you so much for being a guest today and sharing your story. Please keep us posted on this next book so we can bring you back and update the audience. Um, good oh, cool. luck on your, your process writing that fiction book and excited to hear what it's going to be about. Oh, thank you so much, Deanna. Nice to meet you. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, comment, share, rate, review, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.